You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to The Best Possible Taste this evening with me, Sharon Noonan. I'm going to start off tonight by saying congratulations to the Irish contingency on their success at the Gourmand World Cookbook Awards. Theresa Story, Val O'Connor, Mag Kerwin, just a few people that appeared on the show in the past who have been shortlisted or won national awards. So the best of luck to them whenever they go to China later on this year. I think it's May, so well done. If you want to get in show with the best possible taste this evening, you can drop me a line to s.noonan at live.ie or tweet me at Queen of Org. Coming up on the show tonight, it's Burns Night tomorrow night. I don't know if you knew that or not. So to celebrate that, we have got a bona fide Scotsman coming into the studio shortly to talk about haggis. We're also going to be talking to Rosemary Bennis about detoxing. It's that time of year, so she's got some advice on how to do that gently. And then finally, towards the end of the programme, I'm going to be talking to Georgina Campbell, Ireland's leading hospitality guide, about the Board Bea Just Ask initiative and the December winner. It might have been a Dublin restaurant, but there's a West Limerick connection there. So stay tuned for that towards the end of the show. But let's start off, as I said, with Alistair McGuinness and Alistair is the Scots man of my dreams because he's here tonight to talk about haggis. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Alistair, you're very good to come into the studio. I was racking my brains, what Scots people do I know? And your name came to mind. So I wanted to ask you lots of questions about Burns Night, which is tomorrow night, the 25th of January. They celebrate it on the day that Robert Burns birthday in fact it used to be celebrated on the date that he died but now it's his birthday tell us who Robert Burns was Robert Burns is Scotland's most famous poet um, and I suppose he's most famous for um, his old Lang Syne and he's also penned um, the ode to a haggis which is traditionally um, the verses that you would talk about when you're serving the haggis and the haggis is traditionally served tomorrow night as part of a burn supper, which it, it seems to be a really popular type well, event now. That's a huge thing back in Scotland, and it's traditionally served with its neeps and its tatties, and, and if you're very posh, you get a dram of whiskey with it as well. Haggis then, a lot of people will have an idea of what haggis is, although I did read that in a survey a number of Americans thought it was a small animal of some description. Yes, yes. But it's not. It's something you can eat. So tell us what's the best way to describe it from a Scotsman's perspective. Once you eat it, it's, it's not what you expect. Traditionally, it's made from what we call sheep's pluck. Okay, so sheep's pluck is heart, liver and lungs all mince together with onions, oatmeal, suet and spices. Doesn't sound no, it particularly appetising. <laughs> it doesn't at all. But then it's cooked, it's all mixed together and then traditionally what it is, it's then put into the sheep's stomach, tied and then to cook it, it's slowly simmered for about two hours. But it's progressed on now. Some of you know they don't use the sheep's stomach as much now, and now it's artificial casing. Like you'd use for sausages, for yeah, example. Yeah, that's what it's moved on to. But traditionally, in olden days, it was the sheep's stomach. 
And whenever that was brought out then, did, was it chopped up into smaller portions and shared around? Very traditionally, what it was always done um, in some of the places that I worked in Scotland is that you would actually, it would actually be piped into the room. Um, the chef would traditionally hold it away above his head, the piper would play his tunes and then you'd walk around the room and then you would get a speaker who would do Rabbi Burns' speech. And then there's a big rigmarole that it's cut with a knife and everybody stands up and drinks a dram. And it's served with something in particular? Yeah, it's uh, very Scottish. um, It's called Neeps and Tatties. And basically, neeps and tatties is mashed turnip and mashed potato. That's it. Nothing else. There's no gravy. There's no white sauce. It's just plain as. Now, we said there it didn't sound particularly appetising, but it has been likened to foods such as black pudding and white pudding. Yes, and I would agree. I think if anybody likes black and white pudding, then... There'd be no qualms about liking haggis. I think once you get over the initial shock of what's in it, <laughs> but it is, it's nice. It's much the same as white pudding, and they spiced it and coarse. Sometimes it's mind over matter, isn't it? it? Is. With foods yeah, like with snails, food. frogs, All legs, that, yeah, steak tartare. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know what it is, you usually, you know, exactly. you're, you're more open-minded then when you don't know exactly what it is. Is it something that you personally like? I do, yeah. Like we grew up with it, obviously, being uh, from Scotland. My home would be the Hebrides and Edinburgh, um, and being a chef there as well, that was what we would eat. You wouldn't eat it every day, but if it was there, um, we would. And so it never caused you any difficulty as a child? It was just one of those regular dishes and you just got stuck in and you, you just got it. Yeah, if it was there, it was there. And yeah, it's nice. It is genuinely very nice. And obviously it's progressed on through the years. I mean, they've even gone so far as introduced a vegetarian one, which I suppose if you were old stock, you might not uh, take too well to it. And then I suppose it's really progressed on now that it's available in most chip shops in Edinburgh or Scotland, uh, deep fried, the a traditional way of cooking things. A vegetarian one is certainly what you could argue product development whenever it comes to like a national dish. It has, yeah, they've progressed well. I'll uh, give them that one. Absolutely. Now, tomorrow night, will you be celebrating Burns Night in, in any particular way yourself or do you find in Ireland now that it's a date that kind of slides past you? It is, unfortunately, I suppose, moving back here, yeah, it has slided past us. But, look, we still have some at home, and uh, although I don't think the kids are too keen on it. um, But, yeah, if it was there, I would. You took the scenic route to Ireland. You were telling me earlier that you started off in the Hebrides, and whenever you were five, you moved to Edinburgh. But your mother would have had the culinary influence on you because she was a great cook and a chef herself. Yeah, my mum would have been, I suppose, that's where we've all got it, myself and my sister Shona, that's where we got our chefing skills from and um, once we moved down to Edinburgh, we progressed from there, we chefed, myself and my sister both worked together in one of the hotels, the Carlton Highland in Edinburgh and then I suppose as chefs do, you sort of go far and wide so I've gone as far as Leon and um, Dubai, and then obviously uh, we came back here. I worked up in Dublin and now. 
I've come across yeah. a few chefs of late who have spent some time in Dubai. What is the attraction over there? Is it is it very well paid? Do you get kind of carte blanche whenever it comes to creating dishes? What was the attraction for you to travel there? I suppose sun 365 days a year does help. Um, yes, I suppose, you know, finance, you know, you would move there for financial, but it was a new country. Like we moved out there in 1998, so it was quite, you know, the culinary side of things was developing. And I mean, obviously we all see the news and what's going on there now. It's a big, big place now. Um, and we had good fun, you know, we did. Um, there was an, a lot of European chefs, if you would like. You know. There was a community of you there. There was, then. yeah, there was a good, we all had, you know, our societies that we joined and we would meet, meet up once a month. Um, the Arabs themselves wouldn't be chefs themselves, it was, I suppose, and that, ourselves. that area now is very, very keen on Irish produce. There's more and more mm-hmm. Irish products being exported out there and dairy in particular. That's huge, I mean... A couple of the places that we worked in, I mean, um, my boss that I originally went out to work with in Dubai is actually um, Mr. Colin McLaughlin, who's in charge of Dubai Duty Free, and I think, if memory serves me right, he started in Shannon. That's right, yes. You know, so Colin was my boss when I originally went out, and the premises that he owns, the Irish Village Aviation Club, is probably the the spot to go to in Dubai. And it's just progressed from there. So yeah, um, way back when we went out in 1998, we had tremendous uh, produce that we could buy in from Ireland, you know, but then obviously with the costs, it, it sort of faded away, but it's certainly come back again. I mean, the likes of Borby and all that is very strong. And people are going to be saying then, well, okay, you started in the Hebrides, then you were in Edinburgh, France, Dubai, and how did you end up in West Limerick? And it's a story not dissimilar to my own, I would imagine. (laughs) I suppose it all down to the female. (laughs) I suppose, yeah. I met my, I was fortunate enough to meet my wife, Marie, um, out in Dubai. Um, As the story goes, uh, I was her boss for about two minutes. I originally went out as head chef and then Marie was uh, my sous chef, but that didn't last too long. Really? Yeah, she took charge. So yes, we stayed out there for about nine years ourselves and then we decided to come back here. Okay, and back up in West Limerick and you worked in a few places including Adair Manor. Yeah, we're in the Adair Manor, I was in Rathkeel House Hotel and then we moved on to uh, the clubhouse out in Adair Manor, which was... Obviously, it's all changed now, but it was a, a very busy spot when we were there. And you must be keeping a close eye on what's happening there now and very excited to see it reopening later this year. Yeah, I'd love to get in now. Yeah, once the security fences go down, it'll be interesting to see. But obviously, with Facebook and social media, you see some fantastic shots of what's going on there. So it's, look, it can only enhance, you know, it's a day around. It's going to be fantastic for the brilliant. area. Absolutely yeah. br- great, you know. But you, you hung up your kitchen whites a few years ago and now you work for Palace Foods. You're one of their specialists. Yeah, I was. I was very, um, when we came back, myself and me, we came back in 2005 from Dubai and obviously we chefed here for a while. And I was fortunate enough to get a position in Palace Foods um, way back then. It's a long time ago now, but it's it's fantastic place to work. And yeah, a specialist, I'm specialising in uh, the produce side of 
the business, uh, the west and east of Ireland just now. So a little bit of travel involved, but the big plus is you still get to meet chefs and I suppose talk the talk and explain what we're doing in Palace Foods, which is great. It must be very good and very useful coming from a chef background whenever you're dealing with them because you kind of, you know what their mindset is. Yeah, it is. It does help. Um, Chefs are fairly temperamental and some of them are hard to get on by. So once you have the experience of, you know what they're going through, it is easier. I think you're allowed to say that because you are a chef. (laughs) If you're not a chef, you're not allowed to say they're temperamental. So you specialise in the fruit and the vegetables, all of that, and help them with menu planning, I would imagine. make sure Menu ideas. I mean, obviously, we have our, our development chefs in Palace Foods as well, you know, and obviously being a chef myself does help. So you just get to meet them, you sit down, you give them ideas, or you steer them in the right direction. Obviously, you don't tell them what to do, but you can give them ideas of what we have to offer. And given the number of years that you you have behind you now, no offence to you because it's younger (laughs) looking you're getting, you must be able to see then that there's loads of different trends coming on board. And what do you see that's going to be on trend for 2017? What do you think is going to be really popular this year? Is Haggis going to make it on to the I'll try. I will try my very, (laughs) very best. We do sell it at Palace Foods, not an awful lot now, but it is there. I think street trends the way that food is going, people are going back to basics. They really are. I mean, obviously you see it on the TV, but street food and just plain, easy, simple food. I think that's what it is. I mean, there's fabulous restaurants all over West Limerick just now. And they are, it's, you know, they're going back to basics, cheaper cuts of meat, you know, using fruit, vegetables, all in that. Uh, So it's great to see, and it's healthy. And of course, the deep fried haggis, you couldn't get more street food than that. I'll try and bring that here. I'm, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think you should rustle a bit of that up now tomorrow night for Mary for the, the dinner to celebrate Burns Night. Thanks so much for coming in tonight to tell us about it. Jan, thank you. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. Just before the break, Alistair McGuinness was telling us all about Haggis and Burns Night. And I do apologise to his wife, Marie. His mother is Mary. His wife is Marie. I think I slipped up there and um, called her that by accident a few times. So I do apologise. But happy Burns Night to his mommy, Mary, and his wife, Marie. Still to come tonight, Georgina Campbell, the leading hospitality guide in Ireland, is going to be talking to us about the Board Be It Just Ask initiative. And we'll be talking about the December winner, who is a Dublin restaurant, but has a West Limerick connection. So stay tuned for that. But before that, we're going out and about. If you've done as much celebrating as I did over Christmas, you might be thinking about trying to do a bit of a detox. Well, Rosemary Bennis in Sona's health food shop was more than happy to answer my questions about how do we do it gently, not too harshly now, just gently. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. This month, Rosemary, we're talking about detoxing. 
think a lot of people do it at this time of the year and it can be quite tough on you, but you have some kind of gentle type remedies. Yeah, um, it's probably too, although it is a bit mild for January, but it's too dark and too, it's not the right time of year really to do um, a more committed detox, shall we say. That's really more a springtime thing. Um, now we all want to be hibernating we need a bit more sleep or everyone's tired and wrecked after Christmas I would say yeah cut out the crap but at the same time don't punish yourself there's a kind of penance associated with detoxing um, and we might not just not be up to it at this time of year so I would say go easy on ourselves your body detoxes naturally every night anyway that's what its job is so your liver all your excretory organs they all detoxify so getting back to basics like having a good bowel movement every day, treating your liver well, keeping your fluids up, keeping your, your well, say, the packaged processed food down to a minimum, enjoy a treat at the weekend, that sort of thing. That's actually, a, that's your detox, really. Yeah, the two litres of water a day can, can be quite challenging, and especially if you're bringing it straight from the tap now, whenever it can be particularly cold, like you would suggest, you know, pouring it into a jug first thing and letting it sit to get at room temperature. Yeah, I would, and personally, I can't, I can't drink ice water at all, and I even, it has to be room temperature for me, so I just put a splash of hot water in. I would drink a lot of herbal teas. I mean, I like tea and coffee as well, but I would drink a lot of herbal teas, and that's my fluid intake that way. Does that, so. does that count towards your two litres of water yeah okay. it does it does it does because if you had two litres of water on top of copious amounts of other fluids mm. you could actually run the risk of having too much fluid so yeah it does and also soups juices you know juicy fruit all that is like wet food shall we say but not the coffees and the like the normal berries teas, eh? No, no, it doesn't because they though they're nice and they give you a lift and they have a great flavour and a social benefit as well. I think you can't rule out the social aspect. Um, they do sort of rob you of water. They're diuretic, meaning they deplete. You, you know, you you actually lose water. So um, a good rule of thumb, and anyone who's been on a hot foreign holiday to Greece or somewhere really sunny, they'll always serve you cold, a drink of cold water with your coffee so that you replenish um, at the time. So a good rule of thumb is maybe have yeah, a cup of water absolutely. after or instead of the second cup of tea. Well, let's start with tea because you do have a couple of teas here. The first one I see is called Detox. Yes, this is a little handy one. It screams out from the shelf. It's just a little blend of aniseed, fennel, cardamom. Now, there's lots of herbs that help detoxify. The, the fennel is in there. That's a big one for digestion. So that's that's where that's coming. The aniseed as well for helping with fluid. Um, dandelion is a very well-known one as well. This little blend from Pocket Teas, they do lovely blends. It's just a nice flavour. But we would have about four or five different brands, you know, say, with, with detox blends. Um, or you could just go for plain nettle, plain dandelion. Um, there's a green tea with milk thistle. There's a lot of variety. And you get one to suit you. You know, you need to give it a few days. You might not like it instantly. And then once you find it, you know, you actually be really happy with it and you find it, it can be very refreshing first thing in the morning or in the evening instead of, you know, you want a hot drink but you don't necessarily know what you want. So this can be quite a nice option. That's very interesting about the green tea with milk thistle because we were talking about mm. milk thistle before Christmas and you were saying about how good it is for the liver. That's right. And milk thistle actually would be a good herb to take now. But there's a nice little, we do a nice brand of tea, chi tea, and they have 10% of milk thistle in the mix with the green tea so it's just you get the extra little bit and it's another little bit of flavor and you enjoy your green tea and green tea in itself is a very good digestive helps to break down fats and helps you feel a lot actually i think a lot of the problem after christmas is 
that you, you just feel sluggish, you know, we're ha- having maybe too much stodge, a lot of booze, builds up over a few weeks, plus we're tired, plus mm. it's the darkest time of the year. So the milk thistle actually is a good idea and you could take that on its own or you could take it in the tea blend. Okay, and the other one then is a, is the nettle tea the nettle. that you mentioned there. Yeah, nettle. We come to nettle again maybe in the springtime. We're talking more about greens and kind of refreshing your diet. But nettle's a great tonic, really good. I mean, it's native to us. It's a lovely one for the kidneys, really, really nice for kidneys, very good for skin, great. Nettle's a great tonic for people with skin issues and also joints and arthritic, um, you know, arthritic problems. But I suppose what it does is it helps to flush out excess acid. Um, It's also very good for people who would find they're low in iron. So, like, it's not obviously a therapeutic dose, but it's a little beneficial kind of extra that you can add in and you the thing to say about teas is a cup here and there won't really do much it's just a nice flavor but for kind of results you'd want three strong cups a day consistently and tell me is that something you could make yourself if you have nettles in yeah, your garden absolutely and it's easy peasy cheap as chips and tastes lovely the nettle tops and never from the roadside and old nettles, I don't think, are really recommended. They're just a bit woody and that. So in the next couple of months now, February, March onwards, and then they say about the feed of nettles in May keeps you going for the year. And not from the roadside because of the pollution yeah, and all exactly. of that. Yeah, and, exactly. And dust and, yeah, and countless other things. And is it the leaf part that you use? Yeah, it is the leaf. Now, the nettle root is a really useful herb as well, and it acts, has a kind of a deeper action on the body, more of a liver tonic, um, but for our purposes, the, li- the leaf, yeah. Okay. Okay, so but you need to be careful picking it. Well, yeah, your marigolds, pop on your marigolds yeah. and the scissors, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now you've something else here, another product that is hugely on trend at the moment, and that's the apple cider vinegar. Yeah, apple cider vinegar is just, it's an oldie, but it's a goodie. It's so, it has so many uses. And again, I brought it out because it's an easy one to just start to include. If you kind of feel, oh God, I've really let things go from December on, Get your cider vinegar back in and have a small splash, like literally a teaspoon, with some warm water. It's a bit of honey if you want to sweeten it up and have that as a morning drink while you're getting dressed or thinking about what you need to get going in the day. And it's really good. It's a great digestive tonic. It's very good for sluggishness. Very good for... It's a bit like the way the nettle works as well in terms of joint health as well. A lot of people take it for arthritis. But if you're just feeling generally a bit kind of bleh after too much heavy food apple cider vinegar is fantastic it's really cleansing and you just feel a lot fresher and I would recommend it actually after a meal that just wasn't sitting right or if you were out and you just had food that didn't really suit you and apple cider vinegar is just knocks it on the head it makes you feel very comfortable but definitely diluted oh yes now having said that though I do know I have customers and I have done it myself where you can just knock it back your neat and that's fine too it is sharp but it's got that kind of tang that some people like, but mostly like 99% of people take it dilute. You can have it hot or cold, just not boiling water. There's lots of other uses for it. Like you can use it in, I would use it in salad dressings. Yes, absolutely. And I and for marinating, like, if, you know, I, I would say anywhere in cooking where you see vinegar, you use, use um, apple cider vinegar because it's just got fantastic properties and it's alkalizing. So it neutralizes all the acidity in our diet. So yeah, cider, um, for dressings, for marinating, for giving just a bit of lift the way you might just use say lemon juice or something it's got a lovely got a lovely clean tart flavor and household use it's a natural cleanser you can use it in the bath you can use it as a rinse for dandruff 
I mean, it, there's just so many uses. There's about 50 more, literally. So, yeah. And it never goes out of date, somebody told me. That's right. Very good point. Never goes off, never goes out of date. This particular one is unfiltered and um, unpasteurized as well, which is important. And there's a natural sediment. So you just shake that up. You don't need to refrigerate it and it could be there 10 years and it'll be fine. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's worth the investment. Oh, then. yeah. And it's cheap. You know, that's like a small bottle would be under four euros. So it's good value. Yeah. Okay. Now, we're talking a lot about sugar at this time of the year because we might have overdone the sugar during the the Christmas period. And you have a sugar, a seven-day sugar detox kit. This is very interesting. Mm, It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a new product. It's it's sort of combining a few things that are on the market already. But this is a brand called Viridian, and it's out. It's designed that, again, not too severe, like, you know, penitential sort of program, but just to kind of keep really keep track of what sugar your your intake is and also to help you curb the cravings. So the three ingredients in it are chromium, cinnamon and another one called alpha-lipoic acid, ALA. But the chromium and cinnamon are better known. They literally will help your blood sugar um, levels balance. Now, obviously, you have to change what's in your shopping basket as well. If you coast through the day on Coke and crisps and Twixes, you can't really expect this to work. But it's a very good crutch really helpful you take it in the morning and the afternoon and it helps you to to it helps your body to balance the sugar cravings and then in what, what this is what this little box is doing as well is trying to educate you and sort of saying inside there's a link to an app and you can get all you know you can, you, there's a lot of research you can do showing you what sugars are actually in your everyday foods that you mightn't realize and also what you can do to help balance blood sugar levels. So if you feel your energy is a bit up and down and you have an afternoon slump and, you know, you're a bit foggy headed and not clear thinking and you you, re- you find yourself reaching for the biscuit tin, this is a very good product. There's definitely an argument there for people to make themselves more aware and more cognizant of how much sugar they're taking in their diet because I think a lot of people maybe don't realise it and they think, oh yeah, I'll cut out sugar, I won't take it in my tea or my coffee mm. and, and that's it. But in actual fact, if you go into all of those foods that you eat, even if you're having a sandwich with mayonnaise and mm. things like that, like the type of bread, for example, yeah. it can be loaded with sugar. It can, it can. And it can be a little bit overwhelming sometimes and you think, oh my God, I can't eat anything. But that's not the case. But it is a good educational tool. It's well worth doing it. And there's no point, you know, somebody else hammering it down your throat. I think the key is the more denatured a food is, the more different it looks from its initial um, image you know, the way it appears naturally, then the more you have to say, okay, what's really in it? So the more processed your bread, the more processed your dip or spread, um, yogurts, yogurts would be a big one that people don't have a clue. They're added fruit yogurts, they're so sugary. Um, obviously, concentrated fruit fruit juices, fizzy drinks, the, the ones you'd be aware of. But you're right, a lot of people aren't aware of, say, I don't know, a sweet chili dip or something that you might lash on without thinking. And the reason you love the food you're eating with it is the dip makes it so sweet. So, again, it sounds like I'm here with a big stick. and It's not about that, but it's about awareness. And you can really make changes. And without dieting at all, you can actually see huge benefits then once you become aware and you make different choices. And if you look at the labelling whenever, whenever you're buying something and it says how much sugar mm. per 100 mils or 100 grams, yeah. if it's over 10 grams per 100 like that is serious yeah. seriously high amount of sugar yeah it is yeah and unfortunately a lot of the low f- low fat things and you know I don't know bars yeah, there's so many of them the aisles and aisles of them in supermarkets now they're designed really to have that hit that makes you feel great and you go mmm that's really tasty but it's yeah when you look at it per 100 gram and 100 gram of food is really small yeah. like a 100 gram bar of chocolate is gone 
in something a, in a that I've become more aware of yeah. since having children. I suppose like a lot of parents that you yeah. are looking at what's in the food because when you first start out, you're buying the child friendly or the the products that are aimed at children, and you realise these are not. In, yeah. in many cases, not all cases, but in many cases, many cases they're yeah. not the best products for no, them. No, I agree. Like a lot of the processed cheeses, yogurts, crackers, biscuits, they're unnecessarily, you know, sugar or sugar mm. added. So it's a pity. But yeah, but you can get quite savvy and you don't have to be the sugar police. You can still enjoy. I mean, I was just pointing out there, there's a couple of natural sugars mm. that are well worth investing in if you're into baking. There's maple syrup get a, a, a proper maple syrup because it has to be said there's a lot of fake maple syrups out there that are just caramelised sugar um, maple syrup is a lovely lovely mellow flavour not quite as um, it doesn't raise the sugar level as high as regular honey or sugar but it, it does nonetheless but it's got a lovely mellow flavour It's and, and it's alkalising actually so it's, it is a natural sap it's a tree sap so it's a good one to put into foods or sweeten a little bit with um, molasses is also an old one this is treacle which is like Sounds terribly old-fashioned now, but molasses actually is a great iron-rich, calcium-rich sweetener. Um, a little bit tricky to use because it's very thick, but you know, in bread, it's what gives. If you go to nice restaurants and you get a lovely dark brown soda bread to start with, that's your your molasses is giving it that flavour and that colour. So it's a great one for baking. Um, you could even experiment with it, like I put it in a Christmas cake and cut back the sugar. So it fruit cakes, that sort of thing, and even actually as a drink. As a, I was kind of coming back to nourishing, not punishing at this time of year. In fact, all, always really, why should we punish ourselves? Um, molasses, especially if you're low on iron or tired, is a great drink in um, either hot water with some milk added or into hot milk instead of coffee, say. And it's really nice. It's got a nat- nice soothing sweetness, but it's not too sweet. If you want to kind of get off the high sugary hot chocolates, which is another one you wouldn't think of. Most commercial hot chocolates are laden with sugar um, and sickly, saccharine sweet. This is actually lovely and it's very nourishing. So it's maybe not the thing you'd reach for first, but it's worth checking out and it's cheap as chips. <laughs> There's a lot of talk now about going back generations and the types of ingredients that they would have used. And I believe molasses is something that my great grandparents would have been using. During the war, for example, I think this is something that was on the ration list. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I mean, it's it's a sap of sugar beet and sugar beet grew here, you know, it still grows, you know what I mean? It's it's so it it would be a native product and and it would be like and as farming people will know molasses was fed was mixed in with your hair, your silage to nourish the animals. So, like I remember big vats of of molasses kind of industrial grade when I was growing up so it seems a bit this is a nice pretty jar so it's <laughs> but it's the same idea to nourish ourselves because it's mineral rich actually that's that's the point and just to finish off then if you have the sweet tooth and yes. you want a kind of a sweet type tea the cinnamon and licorice one yeah. what, what does that taste like it looks actually really nice now you'd want to like your your licorice taste that sort of allspice um, yeah aniseed sorry taste but it's a really lovely licorice and cinnamon are sweet but nourishing sweet. They're actually, they give you that little, they ease that craving, but they don't give you that rush. So it's a really lovely tea. We do a few of them. Or you could get, no, I'm not, not wanting to down any brands, but commercial licorice is really sugar laden. But there are a few brands that would have four or five ingredients and they're very pure, like, you know, cuts of licorice or bars. 
and they're great if you have you know, have those in your bag or in the press if you need a nibble because they'll actually satisfy the craving but they won't rush the sugar levels um, this tea is a lovely one with the cinnamon and licorice it's great and this one is another one here again this is pokka um, where they have roasted chicory and cardamom so they even sound soothing and nice you know they're so good, and they've got a bit of body and obviously great for the digestion yeah absolutely yeah yeah it does it sits well and before you know it you sort of don't need to reach for the roses tin <laughs> maybe well, they're gone anyway lots of great ideas there if you are wanting to detox or do something to, like a step in the right direction yeah, for example exactly, even yeah. if you just switched the coffee for uh, a herbal tea you'd, you'd be going the right way yeah absolutely and it's, it doesn't have to be massive work you know just little things and uh, you'd be surprised at how it makes a difference great thanks so much rosemary okay pleasure you're listening to the best possible taste on west limerick 102 fm Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. If you're just tuning in, you can catch the full show later in the week on the podcast, which is on the website, SharonNoonan.com, or you can also have a look for it in iTunes and download it free of charge, or if you've got the little podcast app there on your iPhone or any other sort of phone, you can have a look for it there and download it and listen to it at your leisure. We've one more interview to come this evening and it's with Georgina Campbell. Georgina is on the phone now and she's going to tell us about the December winner of the Board Be It Just Ask initiative. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Georgina, you're very welcome to the programme this evening. Good evening, Sharon. How are you? I'm great and I'm very excited about the December winner for the board be it just ask campaign because there is a bit of a west limerick connection there so you better tell us who won it there well the 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 west uh, limerick uh, connection in this particular case is actually quite tenuous because the uh, the winner is a dublin restaurant it's malochny's of uh, clontarf uh but uh, which is owned by liam malochny uh which is uh, by the way it's m-o-l-o-u-g-h-n-e-y which is important to know if you're looking on for their website, which is malochnies.ie. It's an unusual spelling. But the head chef there is someone who's very familiar to you, uh, Sharon, uh, is John Fitzmorris, who indeed uh, was uh, formerly in uh, in West Limerick. And uh, you might like to remember why he was there or what it was that was the connection as far as you're concerned. Well, yes, John has had a huge influence in my life because one night in the mustard seed, he had Yellow Man on the Pity Four menu. And that took me back to my childhood and that secret recipe that was in our family. And as a result of that, I ended up making the the documentary about Devlin's Yellow Man. So um, I have great time for John. I think he's a fantastic young, very young chef so he is he's done so much in in such a short space of time so absolutely thrilled for him to see that he has he's made that move from West Limerick up to Dublin and to a restaurant which is I would describe it as a neighborhood type restaurant yes it is but it, it's a kind of neighborhood uh, restaurant which also is a destination you know people make sure that they fit it in uh, if, if they're going to be anywhere near the area it's a top choice in the area it's, it's a super restaurant and uh, the reason that it's won the, uh, the, the Just Ask restaurant of the month for December is that it, it just it fits the bill so well. As you know, the uh, Just Ask uh, campaign, Bord Beer campaign, is to encourage diners to look for information on where the food plate on their plate comes from. And it celebrates the chefs and the proprietors who highlight their local suppliers on the menus and also you know, it, around it when, wherever appropriate in their bars and their restaurants and cafes. 
So it's uh, particularly on their websites as well. We really like it when you go into a website to have a quick look and decide if that's somewhere you'd like to go. It's really great if you could see that the suppliers are really uh, highlighted, uh, you know, and and are revered. I, I think it's wonderful when you can tell immediately going into a website that the owners and the and the chef team uh, really have a great respect for their suppliers and they understand that that's the foundation of their food and that no matter how good the cooking, if you don't start off with a really good foundation, uh, you know, you're not going to do anything that's, that's that special. And so Malochny's is absolutely perfect in that way. You know, they have always had it. It was the story from the start. Uh, it was just, it, it was it was Liam Malochny's dream always that, you know, that it would be all about the food. And so he, the suppliers have uh, just been uh, an essential uh, part of, of the mix from the very beginning. And at the moment, um, they have a, a, a confirmation statement on their, uh, on their uh, menu which says, uh, you know, that their meat, poultry, game and eggs are of Irish origin, which is the fundamental. And that's really the absolute basic uh, that the Just Ask campaign is looking for. Uh, but then they go on and they, they name their, uh, their actual suppliers, their individual suppliers. And they have people like um, Comer Mountain Lamb, Willie uh, Drowan. Uh, that actually was one of the Irish Food Writers Guild award winners a few years ago. Uh, very, very highly respected product and a very speciality product uh, coming up from West Waterford. And uh, then they get free-range pork from Clanani Farm in the Knoll in North County, Dublin. Free-range pork is not nearly as easy to get as it should be, and I love to see it on the menu. And it is such a different product from the run-of-the-mill pork. I mean, it's great to see Irish pork. You know, there would be plenty of places where they'd be using imported pork. Uh, but when it's free-range, it is just so different. It's a different animal. And, of course, it is literally a different animal uh, because the free-range pork, you know, is most likely to be also a rare breed. Uh, so you get, to, you get the two things. You get the speciality breed, and you also get the free-range uh, raising and, uh, and uh, care as well. Um, there's also wild Irish game, which, of course, at this time of year is wonderful. We've only got to the end of January to, to enjoy wild Irish game if it's going to be fresh. And uh, it comes to Ballymooney Meats uh, down in uh, County Wicklow. Uh, and then also the other meats are supplied by McKenna's of uh, Clontarf, uh, Omani Meats and uh, Tolkareg's also. Uh, these all come with the, uh, the beef, uh, poultry and eggs are all tied up in those suppliers. Uh, and th the game in particular is, is a great highlight. I absolutely love game. And I think, you know, we should remember it for the next couple of weeks and enjoy it while we can. And it doesn't stop at the meat and the fresh produce because their gin, their beer and their cider, they're putting an emphasis on Irish sourced alcohol there as well. Yes, absolutely. And that's that's a growing trend and a very welcome one. And uh, in this case, they have several. They've got uh, Dungarvan Brewing, um, Eight Degrees Brewing, a super product from um, North Cork. Uh, and Franciscan Well, uh, that also from Cork City. Uh, Con's Irish Cider from Tipperary, uh, from the Apple Farm, which is a place that you should always take a diversion to if you're anywhere near Care. Uh, it's, it's not very far from Care, um, and it's really worth visiting at any time because they've got a big farm shop there, and you can buy their apple juice, and they keep their, their own apples, they keep them in cold storage, and they gradually release them. So there's only a very short period of the year when you can't get them. And they sell their other products as well. So it's really worth a detour. And then they have the Dingle Gin and the Blackwater Gin. Uh, the Blackwater Gin is, is a very interesting one uh, from West Waterford. 
Uh, and it's one of the few which is based on an Irish alcohol. It's not just a flavoured imported alcohol. Um, it's actually the same base as Bertha's Revenge, uh, which comes from um, Ballyvalan House up the road. So uh, that, that's a particularly interesting product. And uh, also, actually, just going back to the, uh, to the uh, food products for a moment, um, there's also a very nice statement about the fish um, at Malachny's. Um, they only use fish that's caught in Irish waters, and it's supplied by Doran's of Hose, Kish Fish, and Moran's Seafood. Uh, so I think that is a very important thing because, you know, we're thinking more and more um, about our seas and our rivers. And I think it's, it's really important uh, to know exactly where our fish comes from. And do you think that a lot of diners take it for granted that the fish that they're eating when they're out in a restaurant is sourced in Irish waters? Yes, I'm not sure that they think about uh, fish as much as... I think that, you know, we, we started off thinking about the meat a lot because of the various scandals that there were a few years ago. And people were concerned about the safety uh, of, of eating certain types of meat. Uh, you know, when, when something would happen and it would be in the news, uh, then people think a lot about that. But we haven't really had that kind of incident uh, connected with fish, uh, which makes people think. So unless there's something which is obviously imported, uh, like tiger prawns, which I do not like to see tiger prawns on the menu. I mean, we have such wonderful seafood. Why do we have to bring it in? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's such a shame. Uh, so unless something like that, which is obviously caught, you know, in warmer climates, uh, is on the menu, I think people tend to assume uh, that it is uh, not only local, but fresh. Um, I don't think it crosses people's minds very much that it might be frozen. Uh, so it's great to see that there is you know, a, a statement like this about freshness and about um, provenance. And it, it, it's really important. Uh, and I think that that is something that really should be encouraged. This is one of the aspects of the Board Be a Just Ask initiative that I think is really helping the consumer to think a lot more and to be more aware about where the, the raw ingredients come from. Yes, it is. And in fact... Um, in connection with the uh, Board Beer Disaster Restaurant of the Year, uh, which also, as you know, has a West Limerick connection, a very close West uh, Limerick connection, um, they did a survey in connection with this, and uh, because it's that time of year where they really put a focus on the Just Dance program, starting off again in January. And uh, they said that 62% of Irish people now believe that it's important to support restaurants that use local suppliers. Now, you know, this campaign has been going, what, for nine, ten years now. And at the beginning, it would have been a very small proportion of people who thought about it at all. Uh, so in that time, you know, it's really built up uh, in recognition of the importance of, of, of what this campaign is doing. Now, there have been all, all kinds of other things. You know, the, um, these small producers have really increased in numbers uh, during those years. A lot of things have happened um, in the Irish food uh, industry. But it's really, really great to see that that number is growing all the time. Absolutely. And some of the winners then, like the annual winners, they're restaurants that have a very good reputation that they're still going strong. So just remind us about some of the previous annual winners. Yes, well, they're absolutely fantastic. They really are. I mean, regardless of Just Ask, these are some of the best, the very best establishments in the country. And uh, it's absolutely great. They have decided that... that, that an absolutely key part of their policy um, is to recognise their suppliers 
and you know to to make those the the absolute key ingredient um, in their restaurants. And uh, just going back uh, over the last few years, um, last year was Rua in Casa Bar, um, the McMahon family, Aaron and Colleen uh, McMahon, brother and sister team there, um, and the, you know they, they they took on the business from their mother Anne, who established it in the 1980s. So right from the 1980s. Uh, when that um, business was started, this was a core principle. It was long before Just Ask, and it wasn't stated in that way. Uh, but the principles of Just Ask were in place from the very beginning, and that has continued. And people go from all over the country uh, to visit Casabar, to go to Ruhr. There are two. There's a cafe and there's a cafe deli. And uh, it, it's an absolute um, a, a destination place for people who love food. Anywhere in the north, if you're going to be anywhere in the northwest, uh, you know, you won't want to go to that area and not visit Rua. It's absolutely fantastic, and it's done a huge amount for the reputation for the, in the area. And then the year before that, we had Ben's Key in uh, in Cork City, uh, Kate Lawler, another Eurotalk chef. And, uh, you know, she's a young chef um, who has taken on ownership of this restaurant in relatively recent years. And uh, she has built up a fantastic uh, reputation there. And she works so hard in the community uh, promoting those principles. So it's not just in her restaurant, it's the same for all of these chefs, actually, and the owners, um, that they they not only uh, promote these ideas in their own restaurants, but they also are tremendously supportive in the area as well. Uh, the year before that, uh, we had Balik Castle. Um, that's uh, just outside Balinar, wonderful place, um, quite a very interesting property. Not big, sounds big, but it's, it's not a big property, but it's very interesting. And the chef, uh, Stephen Lenehan, uh, who um, was really at, at the centre of the uh, of the award, just asked uh, a restaurant of the year award in uh, 2014. He had actually been there for 10 years at that time. Uh, but this uh, award came out of the blue and he ran with it. He was absolutely thrilled with the award. And I think it's been uh, one of the several stepping stones which has really brought on Balik Castle. Uh, it's a tremendous destination and it's actually gone into the blue book this year and I think that you know that that uh, Just Ask success was one of the things uh, which helped it to move on to that stage they've done a lot of renovations as well over the last year or two and it, it's, it's a brilliant destination it's very interesting and you know it's not actually that well known I think the name is a little confusing because people um, connect Balik uh, with a different area entirely um, further north and um, I think, you know, it's an interesting thing. But the uh, the one before that, um, in 2013, was Ard Beer in Galway. Again, I mean, a, a restaurant which, you know, from the very first day of opening, has always been all about local food. And it's a very arty, crafty sort of a place as well. So you, you really get a sense of the region when you eat there. It's, it's a wonderful place. And the year before that uh, was Farmgate Cafe in Cork. And, of course, anyone who's ever been to the English market in Cork will understand what Farmgate Cafe is all about. You know, again, it's been like that, you know, since the 80s um, when it was first opened. And, it you know, it, it, it's always been all about the market. So, you know, they will go down and they'll get their ingredients of the day from the market and they only have to carry them up the stairs to cook them. And not only that, but they focus on the kind of uh, now unusual traditional dishes uh, which are not found very much elsewhere. 
so that you'll find the unusual sort of ingredients like tripe and drachine, things like that, which are sold in the, in the English market, which you'll hardly find anywhere in Ireland anymore in the butchers. And yet they'll be on the menu in the Farmgate Cafe, along with some more modern dishes as well, of course. Uh, but it's, uh, those sort of places, they're absolutely inspirational. There's a sense of longevity here as well about these places that they're obviously doing something right, that they're still going strong in a time where it has been quite challenging for the restaurant industry. Yes, I think that's absolutely true. And I, th- I think uh, the, 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 other, the linking factor that they have here is that um, this um, dedication to their, uh, their suppliers and their, their uh, respect for their producers and, and, and the foods, the basic, basic foods, uh, that we produce so well in Ireland is absolutely fundamental to what they do. It's not just an add-on. It's not something which is just fashionable to do at the moment. Uh, it's something which is absolutely a key part of their philosophy. And I think that's why they've lasted, uh, because they never budge from that. And I think they get huge support because of that. How do you identify each month where you're going to go and visit? Do you go and visit a few places each month and then decide which one is is worthy uh, of the well, title. No, no uh, the way that it works, this is actually a menu competition as opposed to review competition. Uh, so we don't necessarily visit the, uh, the restaurant uh, the, which is selected as the Just Dance Restaurant of the Month in that month at all. Um, I mean, it could have been visited the, the month before or six months before or whatever, but uh, it, the, the uh, selection is made on how they present their menus. So it's the menu that you see in the restaurant, it's the menu that you see online and perhaps on their Facebook page and things like that. And it's to do with how they present their relationship with their suppliers, their philosophy of food. So we want to see that statement about the, the, all of the meats being Irish, for example, uh, and that, you know, that's fundamental to it. And then we want to see as much information as possible about the suppliers and you know, th- that how they fit in uh, to, to the way that that restaurant is run. And that, that's what it's all about. Now, we know from visiting the restaurant, many of these restaurants, you know, we've visited regularly for 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, so we know uh, that these are genuine. And you could tell anyway, just to look at what they say, uh, that they are genuine. But you, they don't have to be an old restaurant. Uh, I mean, we have had quite recently, for example, Le Pain Quotidien in uh, Kildare, which is a new restaurant. And it's, what's more, it's part of a chain. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's a different kind of thing. But it will, of course, have been visited, but it, we don't visit it specifically um, to test it for the Just Ask. I went to Le Pan Quotidien on one of my travels north there recently because of your recommendation, and I can, I can also recommend it. Now I haven't been there. I had the, the tartine, because you were talking about yeah, the tartine. Yeah. I had the avocado tartine, and it, it was delicious, just perfect for the post-Christmas to kind of minimise the continuing bulge that is coming <laughs> there. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, we'll forget about the bulge until about March, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Georgina, listen, that's fantastic. All of these restaurants, there's a map there on the Board Bia website, isn't yes, there? Yes, there is indeed. But, of course, don't forget our, our, uh, our uh, restaurant of the year. I just asked restaurant of the year, which is the, uh, the, the one which is very uh, close to you in West Limerick, the 1826 Adair. And uh, we did talk about it briefly earlier in the year because it was, of course, one of the, uh, one of the, the just asked restaurants of the month during uh, uh, 2016. Uh, but it's now uh, the restaurant of the year for this year. 
and um, it is absolutely a superb uh, example of everything uh, that Just Ask is all about. Uh, you know, uh, the, the owners, um, Wade and uh, Elaine Murphy, um, are absolutely committed. Uh, Wade, of course, is very um, is a very key member of, of Eurotalk Ireland and is committed absolutely to supporting uh, small producers and suppliers and it, again, it's absolutely fundamental to their uh, philosophy uh, that they do everything right in this regard and that they give due credit uh, to their wonderful suppliers. So that is, it is, uh, in all of these cases, it's a real philosophy. And, uh, you know, uh, Wade mentions a, a large number of, of suppliers. And also, uh, he mentions there's a particular point uh, in his statement about the beef, lamb, pork and chicken which is the, the key statement. And uh, he says, uh, not only that it's Irish, he says that it's born, reared, and slaughtered in Ireland. And, you know, that is so important that you can see the whole chain uh, there, that it's, uh, you know, that it, sometimes uh, you might buy meat and, you know, it, it is uh, Irish in, in one sense. You know, perhaps it has been raised in Ireland and slaughtered in Ireland, but it may, with the chicken in particular, may have been imported, um, you know, as a day-old chick. Uh, so I do think it's very important that you can see this whole uh, chain on that statement. And I think that's something which other uh, other restaurants might think about. Um, and then another thing is that, again, he mentions free-range pork. And the lamb, again, in this case, is, is, is hill lamb. In this case, it's from Kerry, Kerry hill lamb. Uh, so, you know, this detail here, which is interesting. The chicken is pasture-reared. Uh, so it comes from the friendly farmer in Athen Rye. And again, this detail there, it's not just Irish chicken, but it's, there's something very specific about the way uh, that it has been um, looked after, it's cared for during, it, during its uh, life and, and its end. And uh, he also uh, gives very um, high priority to vegetarian options and the produce that's used in the vegetarian uh, dishes. And, uh, you know, he, no he mentions the Bally Salad, the Little Green Company, and Clancy Lewis, all of them are, are Limerick uh, producers. And then the mushrooms also from Ballyhara Mushrooms, uh, the mountain, mountain Mushroom Company in County Cork. So, you know, I think there's a great balance there, but there's also a great depth of philosophy, which is great to see. Yeah, we're very lucky to have it just down the road there. So we are, and are um, the mustard seed. And there's, uh, there's a couple of new places opening up now in 2017 that we'll have to keep you posted about, and you oh, might come down and great. visit us and, and go to them soon. Fantastic, yes. Oh, no, we're, we're always interested to hear about new places. Uh, so, you know, anyone who knows anywhere that's really good and that has, you know, this correct philosophy of food, uh, we're very interested to hear about that. Don't forget about the map. Yes. Of course, yeah. And the map is on the Boardbea website. Yes. That's the best place to direct people. That's right, boardbea.ie. Thanks a million for telling us all about that this evening, Georgina, and we will talk to you again next month. Thank you very much, Sharon. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. That brings us to the end of tonight's programme. Thank you so much for tuning in and to all of tonight's guests, Alistair McGuinness, Rosemary Bennis and Georgina Campbell. And check out Georgina's website for recommendations and that is ireland-guide.com. I'll be back at the same time next week. So until then, bon appétit. 
Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!